on this week's episode disney shows off some light magic batfleck just can't stay away from dc and we cannot tell a lie it's the battle of pinocchios all this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos welcome to the pop culture cosmos and we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos this is gerald glassford from pop culture cosmos game source inside sports fantasy football and the lakers fast break we truly appreciate everyone out there listen to all of our great shows and if you can please give us that five star review wherever you get your podcasts plus if you can like share subscribe follow or do anything that you can to support us right here at the pop culture cosmos humanity media lakers fast break inside sports fantasy football game source and whatever we do here at the pop culture cosmos because we are the number one tabletop rpg streamer on facebook with over 10 hours closing in on 20 hours of action each and every week from the world of tabletop RPG action, including Vampires and Vitae and everything that goes on with the Demolition Force and the great weekend games run by DM Mitch. And to check it all out, you just pop on by the Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page, where you can also catch the latest news and trends in pop culture. Plus also check out our site at popculturecosmos.com. And if you could do all that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He is always supporting right here for us at the Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at the Happy Hoarder. Plus also as well, his great work at the Super BS Gamescast. Plus his amazing book, Congratulations, You Suck, which you got to go ahead and get today at Barnes & Noble and Amazon, of course. It is my good friend. It is. Josh Culture Cosmos, a.k.a. Josh Peterson. I'm just so happy to go ahead and have another edition with you, my friend. But I got to start off with the famous words. What's up, man? What's up? Isn't that how people used to do on the podcast? Like, what's up, everybody? That was like the opening. Yeah. That was from the old 90s. The old. You know what? Bud Light or what? I forget. It was Budweiser, but like I... They don't make the like. Why doesn't Budweiser make commercials anymore? Do you think? I don't know. They they usually trot out the old Clydesdales like once a year just to remind mm-hmm. us and you know, have a relationship like, with the horses. But actually, which you know, which actually does not have anything to do with beer. But no, know, but Clydesdale. it's like, but it's like Budweiser used to like be king of commercials, and then Bud Light was doing some fun stuff for a while, and then they stopped. I don't know, man. I just like. Maybe their marketing's not as effective anymore. I don't know. I miss those commercials, though. They're fun. They give me a chuckle when they were on. Chuckling at those Clydesdales, indeed. But we've got a great show lined up. I know you had a question you want to go ahead and touch on before I run down the list of what's coming up on the show. I know you had a question for me. I do. I do. All right. So, you know, we haven't really had a chance. And I know you've probably talked about this with Melinda since it's revelation, I guess you could say, the... uh reveal grand reveal of the dungeons and dragons movie mm-hmm. all right Absolutely. this movie seems to take on a very uh comedic tone like a very like they're trying to be really funny and mm-hmm. i wonder do you think that that is counterproductive to the dungeons and dragons brand like i know that a lot of people play these games it's like yeah let's let me let's get drunk with my buddies and we'll play a campaign or like stranger things has kind of made it where it's more of a serious thing what do you what do you think about this man because like this i look at dungeons and dragons and i think to myself like we don't have a lot of high epic fantasy properties like out there being made anymore right we have like lord of the rings game of thrones i guess one could argue that like What's that show on Amazon? Wheel of Time? Is that what Oh, Wheel is? of Time. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we have that, but we don't really like have a lot of other things out there. And like looking at this Dungeons and Dragons, like seeing how bad the, the last movie they tried to make flopped. Like it feels like a missed opportunity to like create an epic. Well, the thing is, though, I think with the limited budget that they have, I mean, we're still talking about 
tens of millions of dollars. I think that Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast uh, that are helping front this movie, I think they're probably what right around a hundred million dollars as far as they ultimately will come out to be. I think that they just are trying to make it approachable for a wider audience as opposed to just try to corner it to a Dungeons and Dragons audience, which even they will admit is larger than probably what they understand what it is. It's probably a lot larger than what they think it is. And they're just scared, though, that if they cater it to that specific audience, however large it is, they're still not sure if that individual audience will go ahead and droves and continue to support a film like that. So they thought they would go ahead and make it more broad-based, more comedic-based. I know Chris Pine is not the first person I would actually get for leading a Dungeons & Dragons movie. It was kind of weird as far as his selection is concerned, but I enjoyed the trailer. He is in his full Captain Kirk mode from the Star Trek movies. I think that yeah. probably is appealing to what I think that they wanted to go ahead and come across at Hasbro. The reason why is because they are hearkening back to 2008 and the, and the original reboot Star Trek movie and how he was in that movie and how well it came over and across to a crowd. In fact, yes, it made $400 million at the box office, but the fact is it's been one of the most replayed movies of the last decade on cable streaming broadcast, whatever TV out have out there. I think that's what they wanted to go ahead and do is recreate that kind of magic. I proposed to Melinda on the show, we discussed it, that I think that they should do a TV show instead of a movie. I think that they should approach it like, okay, let's say that you have the group of actors sitting around a table, playing an actual game with the dungeon master, you know, giving the instructions. You're on this treacherous walk through a mysterious forest. It just leads you into the beginning episode where it actually leads you into the actual adventure itself. If you know, you could do that crossfade where it actually comes into the rest of the show is dealt with what happens in a course the, of across of us, uh, an actual episode, you know, and then obviously you interrupt that every now and then with roles as far as whether good or bad, as far as, you know, okay, let's somebody say somebody rolls a nat one or a nat 20, you know, that could totally affect the outcome of what's going on in the episode. I'm hoping that they actually go ahead and do something like that ultimately, because that actually advertises the game itself better than right. what this, this movie does yeah. but this movie may just spark an interest with a general audience and thus may bring in an audience that might not be as familiar with the dungeons dragon scenario and may want to test it out but i think it's just reaching out to a broader audience which again when you're putting up 80 to 120 million dollars which is the reported budget in regards to this I think that's what you got to do to feel when you feel safe as a company to try and go ahead and market this because Hasbro, remember, they got burned by Snake Eyes last year. Yeah. Henry Golding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Literally, they got burned with Snake Eyes. So I think they just wanted to go ahead and try to make this as approachable as possible to a larger audience. And Melinda, who is a huge fan of tabletop role playing games, of course, what she does with every week with Vampires of Vitae and the Demolition Force, she likes it and she is huge into it. I've seen the reactions from the crowd that interacts with the pop culture cosmos. They seem to, for the most part, think it's not terrible. So I think that they're willing to go ahead and be open minded about it. But you're right. I know there is some type of discussion within the actual confines of the different various groups that they wanted it more true to life as far as what the game is all about right right and you know again like i i don't have any qualms one way or the other like i'll, I'll watch it seems like a fun movie it just I, I don't know like it feels like it suffers from like wanting to read make what marvel is doing you know like they well, have that's this... what the ultimate goal is i think they want a, a franchise out of it no, I mean, just like in the tone of the movie, though, yeah. you know, like it has to be, everything had. And that that's the thing, though, too, like with every action movie now that comes out has to be funny. That's because like Marvel has kind of created that expectation. I've actually seen an article that compares that Dungeons and Dragons movie to a Marvel movie as far as that type of tone. OK, and, so, I'm, so I'm not the only one who thinks no, that. No, okay. I, I, you're actually right on that. But I, I still think it's a safer way to go. I didn't say mm-hmm. it was the best way to go. 
again, I, I like I said, I would rather actually do a series and actually base it off the tone of of an actual game and then it fades into that type of scenario as you play out the game and cuts back and right. forth, mainly focusing on the world itself and you could go ahead and 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 do that. I think that would probably be a better representative uh, almost like a commercial for the game. But again, uh, you know, when you're spending that kind of money, you got to go ahead and try and make things safe. I know we talk about how these studios try to always play it safe when it comes to the movies that they're doing. But again, that's just neither here nor there. I think you just got to go ahead and roll with the punches and, mm-hmm. and uh, understand that when you're spending a hundred million dollars to make a movie, I think playing safe to a general audience, especially a worldwide audience yeah. may be the best thing for you. It looks fun. Looks like it could be cool. You know, I guess I just wanted to like pick your brain on it, see what you thought. I mean, I'll watch it either way because it looks fun, like I said. Yeah. But th- yeah, again, if you want a better representation of what Dungeons & Dragons is all about, kind of go into a, a, a series or a movie that you would think that might be better commercial and advertisement for the game itself. But again, when you're spending that kind of money, you can't really argue with a Hasbro that's saying, you know what? Maybe we want to just go ahead and play it safe for now and then maybe go from there. Right, right. Well, we got a great episode on tap. Just want to mention that John Orlando from the PBD cast is back. He's going to be talking about what happened this weekend at SummerSlam for the WWE. The first supposedly post Vince McMahon-esque pay-per-view so we'll talk about that plus rick flair's last match and i always say that with vince mcmahon because you know he's on the phone you know he's on the phone somewhere in connecticut just going ahead and saying you know what i'd like it like this i want to see it like that so you know that even though he's supposedly retired i still think he has his fingers on the pulse of what's going on but we're going to be talking about that here in a bit plus also as well we're going to be talking about the battle of pinocchios guillermo del toro versus disney so we'll talk about the Battle of Pinocchios. That's coming up in the bit as well. Plus a price hike could be in order for PS5 and Xbox Series X. Is that possible? We'll talk about how the MetaQuest 2 decision might be factoring into that. That's coming up here in a bit. There's also as well Light Magic, Bad Flick, and so much more right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. But I want to mention first, it is the box office and give everybody a recap what happened this weekend. I want to mention that the DC League of Super Pets was the big winner, I guess, if you can say that, with a paltry $23 million. The box office does not look like it will probably earn its money back or at least make a profit because the fact that it has to go a long way, even overseas, to earn the $90 million plus back that it actually took in as far as what it took cost to make. So that's a movie that's really not going to overall do so well even though it's fronting the rock we'll talk about the rock here in a second but josh any thoughts? continuity problem man i mean they can't have the rock be two characters in the dcu i mean this is just it's completely unheard of in marvel land not i will say that did you see that there's um what was that meme going around where they're saying like was that randall pack was that the guy's name that plays um, randall park randall park yeah uh they're saying that he they have a continuity issue because how can he be Jim in the office? Remember from that uh, yes. episode? Yeah. And they're like, how can he be Jim in the office and be the guy in Ant-Man and also be Mr. Fantastic? Uh, you have to see it to understand it, but it, yeah, was, it, made, it made me chuckle. I know which one you're talking about. I know which yeah. one you're talking about indeed, but we also got Haley Steinfeld who plays Spider-Gwen in mm-hmm. the Sony uh, Spider-Verse movies, but also as well is the new Hawkeye. So that's kind of a thing there. I just wanted to make point that right. out to everyone. Yeah. Hey, did you see they have the uh, Madam Web movie? And in the newspapers, there's like a reference to Spider-Man 2. So I'm seeing all these like Sony-verse movies. And the tone is so dark, it doesn't feel like it can exist in the Tobey Maguire movie universe. I keep 
like it feels like they're better off in the Andrew Garfield universe. But what are your thoughts on that? I would say the Andrew Garfield universe, I think he is more excited about trying to come back into the Spider-Verse. I think he's expressed those thoughts on more than one occasion. Mm -hmm. I know both have expressed their thoughts on wanting to come back. They're both excited about coming back. I know the Tobey Maguire universe would be more approachable because it was the more successful of the two Spider-Verses previously. So I'm assuming that if it is going to touch on the first Spider-Verse, then I think that probably would be the best. But I think Andrew Garfield's Spider-Verse, I think he's getting a lot of good pub. Yeah, I think these the Andrew Garfield is being retconned in our minds as far as how good it was or bad it was. But I think a lot of people are actually enjoying the or thinking the prospects of an Andrew Garfield return as Spider-Man. I think it would be a good one because people are they're more interested now than they were previously when he was actually yeah. running the Spider-Man. He, and, you know, I think in the, the last Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland, them like I think that he really proved that he is a Spider-Man, you know, like yeah. he was. Yeah absolutely oh no worries man no worries yeah i mean just something that again we'll see i know adam scott from severance one of my favorite shows of the year he is signed on to be a part of madam webb so we'll see what happens when madam webb comes out but the rest of the box office is again pretty paltry right now i do want to congratulate one of the best movies of the year everything everywhere all at once which is now the first a24 movie to actually go over 100 million dollars worldwide so that's tremendous tremendous movie see it? is it good like i keep having my finger over that like rent button on prime and i'm like do i have time to sit here and watch this is it worth my time i will just say it will be at the end of the year spoken about as far as when we do our best of that's, okay. that's all i will say can't say where but it, it will actually be a very uh, much a part of that conversation because okay, it was yeah. emotional. It was fantastical. It's the best multiverse movie that's out there. Today. And I, I love Michelle Yao. Like she is anything she's in, like I will watch. She yeah, she killed it. She absolutely yeah. killed it. If she does not get an Academy Award nomination for this movie, mm-hmm. I think it is a travesty of the highest order. But yeah, that's just me talking right there. But Before we head on out, my friend, to the break and our good friend, Mr. John Orlando, once again, I wanted to go ahead and ask you real quick with what's going on with the box office, because after Brad Pitt and Bullet Train, it goes like a bullet train down, down, down for quite some time with the box office, with several weeks of movies that are really not going to grab the attention of folks until I think October and Black Adam. So your thoughts on this, my friend, because again, I mean, we will have films that we will talk about over the coming weeks, but no, but none of these films are going to be grabbing the worldwide attention until maybe even Wakanda forever. Because if Black Adam tanks for any reason, it could be a while until we see a hit movie once again. Well, let's, I mean, let's do it. If we recap what happened at Comic-Con, like a lot of people sounded like they were pretty upset with The Rock, you know, and his references to uh, Superman, the casting of Superman. Because he wasn't there and that was out of his. He wasn't there. Yeah, Yeah. but he's still taking pictures next to suit. But then The Rock had said, depends on who plays him, which alluded to the fact that Henry Cavill might not be coming back. Anyways, that's all hearsay. I'm hopeful that Black Adam will be good. But I mean, looking at the box office, so like, I mean... Doctor Strange seems to like slowly be creeping up to that one billion dollar mark. Jurassic Park has kind of you made a lot of put that in. <laughs> uh, it's it's making strides a little bit. I see it's at nine hundred twenty three million right now. So I, no, it's at nine nine fifty. It's right around nine fifty. Oh, is it okay? I'm yes. I'm looking at the uh, yeah. uh, box office mojo. I haven't seen Top Gun yet, but of all the things I have seen, like I don't wouldn't really label anything like a billion dollar movie. Will Black Adam change out? Black Adam looks awesome, mm-hmm. but I just, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I don't know. It, it's hard. Like, I've been watching the uh, DCU films with my kids because they haven't seen them yet. So last night we got to about halfway through Batman vs. Superman. And what was really able, like, in the pre-stages of Marvel, you were able to, like, see where the films were going. So, like, it made it feel like everything was worth your time. But now you're watching DC and, like, I will go see Black Adam, but do I need to see it? I don't feel like it's calling to me by any means because I don't know 
where it's going. They've already laid the groundwork for like all these cool stories like Dark Side and all this. And now we're not going to be able to see the rest of that come to life. So it's unmotivating to watch DC films right now, I guess is what I'm saying. I guess I can't blame you for saying that, but I was more excited about DC going into Comic-Con. Now I'm less excited about the DC universe coming out of Mm Comic-Con. And I think that Warner Brothers is has a great deal to blame. Yes, some of it is based off a of controversy. I'll give you that with Flashpoint and of course what's going on with Amber Heard and Aquaman 2, but yeah. I mean you- Batman Batfleck is coming back in Aquaman 2. Right, I mean, right. yes, we heard the we heard this week that with Jason Momoa appearing with Ben Affleck, the recently married mm-hmm. Ben Affleck that he's actually going to make an appearance. I think Ben Affleck likes it that way. I don't think we'll ever see another full Batman movie with him, but I think that you could go ahead and talk him into guest yeah. appearances now and then on yeah. other DC movies. Well, I was so I was reading something interesting with him, and he said that what really made killed the role for him was everything that happened on the Justice League set with Joss Whedon, and he's saying like that put him in such a bad mindset that he didn't. He was like, "This is bad for me. I, I can't do this anymore." But now he's like seems to be happier you know whether it's after rehab or jennifer lopez or whatever like he's he just seems to be in a better mindset but this leads me to my next question like what's the point of having him cameo in these movies if they're not going to continue the story that was what the groundwork for what Zack snyder laid out do you think that not finishing and they don't even have to have Zack snyder finish this the his story they can bring on another director but i mean like They've opened the gates for Darkseid, right? Like, that is that is the Thanos of DC. Like, do you think it's a detriment to them to not see that through? I really can't answer that until we see Flashpoint. Because does his character get killed off in Flashpoint? Because we were led to believe that that would be his final performance with right. Flashpoint. At least it yeah. was kind of hinted towards that direction. But if that's the case, we'll see. But... I don't know. I'm not sure yet because the fact mm-hmm. that we haven't seen Flashpoint because Flashpoint is supposed to be the retconning of all retcons when it comes to the DC yeah. universe. But and it, if that's the case, I, I'm not sure. But I think I would have liked to have seen the, the Snyderverse vision for the, the Justice League. I would have liked to have seen that come to fruition. I know we talked about the actual League of Supervillains. I would have loved to see that play out like my Saturday morning cartoons of mm-hmm. old as far as the super friends versus the super villains the yeah. you know the hall of justice and all that but i don't think that'll ever come to pass i thought that was a missed yeah. opportunity right there but yeah i agree man and like even if they like retcon everything that's happened like it's still like that ultimate tease it's dark side man it's dark side why would you not finish that like that could have been beautiful and now you're like oh it just never happened there'd be a lot of angry people out there They're not doing themselves any favors, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. No, you're right on that. Absolutely. I think that's something that they should have completed. Let Zack Snyder or someone that would actually continue Zack Snyder's vision. Mm -hmm. If you were really like mad at Zack Snyder to go ahead and complete. But again, we haven't seen what's upcoming in Flashpoint. How much does it take the eraser to the dry board of the DC universe and just like, you know, smooth it all out into something a little bit different. So again, we've also had those properties like the Batman and Mm -hmm. the Joker, which are taking place in different timelines. So we don't know exactly how that fits or if they're going to try and make it fit or if they're going to try and shoehorn it in. So I'm going to reserve my judgment until we see Flashpoint, whenever that comes out, still hoping that they will go ahead and, pop in Grant Gustin to refilm those scenes just to avoid any controversy there. I think that's just me saying that, but I don't know if that's going to actually materialize, but you know, I know that at some point in time, DC is going to have to showcase flashpoint if they want to go ahead and do a reboot of the DC universe. Yeah, absolutely. We're in agreement on this DC issue here. Yeah, absolutely. I would have loved though a Hall of Justice versus League of Supervillains. That would have been just well, fantastic. That would be amazing. Did you tell me? Did you see Justice League Dark, the the animated one? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if that were turned into like a real, like a live action movie? Just like how amazing that could be. Many ideas off the page that they could go ahead and borrow from, but they choose mm-hmm. to do something different. And I guess we're going to have to deal with it moving forward. Yeah. What are your thoughts out there on the box office and the movies upcoming for the next few weeks, plus the DC Universe and where it stands? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com.
Well, before we hit the break, and my good friend, Mr. John Orlando, talking SummerSlam and the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, one last time for one last match, wanted to go ahead and talk about some Light and Magic, which is a new docu-series on Disney+, Plus showcasing Industrial Light and Magic, one of the premier studio houses for special effects as someone who in the 90s actually dabbled with a couple special effects companies i found it at least the beginning parts and the creation of what ilm does and the creation of ilm itself and some of the techniques that i was using back when i was working in the industry in the 90s the infancy of how it all came to be and how it led to Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. The first three episodes were really intriguing and interesting. I think the series kind of fades a little bit towards the end because then it's just a a kind of like a pat yourself on the back on this is what we've done lately since then. Mm-hmm. And because of the fact that I think all these studio houses are now in heavy competition with ILM, for a while it was ILM and everybody else. But now I think we're at a point with technology that it has now made a more even playing field in regards to across the board when it comes to special effects. But I still found the first two to three episodes of Light Magic very interesting. Any thoughts on ILM, aka Light Magic, on Disney Plus? I saw it pop up there, uh, you know, when I was turning on cartoons for my kids, but I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it. I I really enjoyed the uh, what was the the making of Star Wars one that was it was a YouTube documentary, and then it was put on Disney Plus. Yes, I I really enjoyed that, and like I teach digital media at the school I work at, so I've like I've shown a lot of um things from like Roger Deakins is someone who I I really love because he just the way that he's able to you know one of our favorite people the yeah. way he's able to use just average lights that he buys from home depot to create these like beautiful effects you know and like they're all this stuff is incredibly fascinating like i think that we have a tendency as an audience to look at a movie at face value without and i've talked about this before about you know not appreciating like what goes into making it like the thought processes and things like that so i think this is a really cool way to like bring attention to the art that is film and you know i do really want to take some time to sit down and watch this i think this is going to be something that if people at least the first two episodes two three episodes they check it out they will go ahead and see a lot of great things behind the scenes in the creation of star wars what a gamble it was the problems continuously behind the scenes you hear about things like that, right? With like the, I don't know if you ever watched the making of Jaws, right? When like they had to create all these like camera rigs in order to like capture, make the shark not look like it was a robot, you know? And, and then like, you, that's just... what you see in, in Light Magic, yeah. Right, so. right, yeah. And there's so many interesting stories out there about stuff like this. Like I, I, I don't know about you, like one of my favorite things about physical media is watching the special features. And I know like you don't really get that with digital stuff anymore. And if you are interested in that, then I do suggest Light Magic. It's now available on Disney Plus. At least the first three episodes that gets you up to speed on the creation of what went on behind the scenes at ILM as far as the beginnings through Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back. So if you want to check that out, it's available right now. Light Magic on Disney Plus. What are your thoughts out there on what's going on with Disney Plus, Light Magic, or anything going on in the world of pop culture? Please let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com well coming up next it's my good friend mr john orlando from the pvd cast he's coming back to recap SummerSlam, the post vince mcmahon era and rick flair's final match we think or not 100 percent sure because it's the professional wrestling industry but hey it's billed as the last match so we'll call it the last match even though he had his last match almost 20 years ago but again I digress. Nature of the beast. Nature of the beast, indeed. But we'll talk about a lot of things concerning pro wrestling and the post-Vince McMahon era. We'll talk about that coming up after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, holy grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. 
but we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that and of course our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show Season 2 exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glasser. Come right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos with a surprise guest. Indeed, it brings new meaning to the word surprise guest. But the post Vince McMahon era is supposedly, and I'll put that in air quotes here, simply because of the fact that if Vince McMahon actually has retired and is actually not on the phone constantly to new head of creative Triple H or new head co-CEO Stephanie McMahon, aka his daughter, I would be very surprised. But the post Vince McMahon era is supposedly here, and it started this weekend with WWE SummerSlam. Also, want to make sure everybody knows that Ric Flair supposedly, also as well in air quotes, is having his last match. I think for the final time. It's his last match, even though he had his last match years ago. Well, that, again, everybody knows about that story. Professional wrestlers never retire. They just keep coming back for another paycheck. But here today to talk about SummerSlam and Ric Flair is a good man indeed. you got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at the pvdcast.com, where they have a very detailed recap of SummerSlam in store for you, waiting there at the PVDCast coming up this week. It is John Orlando. John, great to have you back, my friend. As always, we seem to go ahead and find new ways to chuckle at the professional wrestling industry or sports entertainment or whatever they are allowed or not allowed to say at the WWE. But your thoughts with the WWE, just to run down real quickly, the major matches that were in store for us this weekend. No surprise, Roman Reigns did defend his belt successfully in a last man standing match over Brock Lesnar. You also had the Royal Women's title, Bianca Belair beat Becky Lynch. That kind of surprised me just a little bit. And also as well, Liv Morgan kind of, sort of, maybe beat Ronda Rousey. I don't know. It's a very botched finish, which included the referee, so kind of like... Eh, maybe. I don't know. But I will say that, again, there were some matches on there that were okay, pretty good at best. But I don't know if the post-Vince McMahon era got off to a great start. I'm going to disagree. I think it got off to a very good start. I'm very shocked that I'm going to say this, Gerald, because we joked about it last time we spoke when we said maybe we're living in the Twilight Zone. Or one day we will say the WWE did it right. I think SummerSlam was very good. I enjoyed it. I felt like all the matches, if, if, if we were grading those matches from an A to an F, I, I think most of them were either B or C, all right, uh, grades-wise. Well, just by saying that, your standards are now seemingly lower. Okay, if you're saying <laughs> well, C but, matches are, are okay, it should be accepted for a pay-per-view I, event. Look, you have to go upwards. So if okay. this is the first event without any... Uh, heavy influence by Vince McMahon, because there's always going to be influence. Anybody that doesn't think always. that, you're an idiot. I'm sorry to say that. I, I I hate to be derogatory, but if you think Vince isn't picking up the Stephanie? phone like Gerald is. Stephanie, are you there? <laughs> yeah. Um, Paul? Well, I think it's... Paul? <laughs> it's off in the right direction. Okay. I felt that most of the matches were very entertaining. They were very good. I, I'll go ahead and say that the, the F match was Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey. And if I may just rant for a minute, I don't understand the booking of that match. I don't think it went more than, what, four, five, maybe six minutes at most? Four and a half minutes. Okay. And 90% of it was dominated by Ronda Rousey, which does not make it entertaining, does not make me believe that Liv Morgan is a capable wrestler. It it does nothing for the storyline. It was a burial. You buried Liv Morgan whom you have been trying to build over these last several weeks and this last month or so. You show all the time, all the signs with the little kids, predominantly little girls, holding up the signs, supporting Liv Morgan. And instead, this is what you give us. It's a terrible ending and, and, and just an absolutely abysmal match. The ending, I just want to go ahead and mention to those who didn't see it, was a finish where Ronda Rousey got Liv Morgan in the armbar. And as Liv Morgan was tapping, she was actually tapping first. 
Ronda Rousey, her shoulders were down and counted three by the ref, even though it clearly showed that Liv Morgan was tapping and the referee could see. He actually showcased his peripheral vision. He should have seen that Liv Morgan was tapping first. It was clear, plain as day, and unfortunately it looked very bad, but Liv Morgan was given the victory. But you're right, she looked very bad in it. I said before that even though she is supported by a great many of the fans out there, and that's the reason why they're giving her this chance to run the belt, creating a match for her, she needs a good person to work with. Ronda Rousey, because of her limited experience, is not a good person to work with. Agreed. Absolutely. You get her in the ring with a Charlotte Flair, a Becky Lynch, an Asuka. Now that we see Bailey coming back, those are the individuals you should get her in there with if you want to continue to push her because those ladies can create incredible, really solid matches. Liv Morgan by herself, unfortunately, cannot do that. I think that's the reason why I would was hesitant before, and now I'm kind of hesitant now even more so about giving her that push because even though the fans are behind her, it's just tough for her to create those matches. Again, the women's division, it, with this post-Vince McMahon era going off on another tangent, it's just it's in disarray because you've got a women's tag team title that's still up in the air since what we saw with what went on with Sasha Banks and Naomi. You haven't done anything to go ahead and try and correct that. Then you still have the two separate women's titles when you've already unified the men's singles and tag team championships. It is, it's just this whole company is still in disarray going into SummerSlam and coming out of it. I don't think it's gotten much better. There was a really good match between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, but it's the umpteenth time we've seen that already. And even though this was a, probably their best match between the two it's just it's hard for people to get excited about seeing the same thing over and over again that's where i'm coming from as far as SummerSlam is concerned well and i also went into going that as i said you're starting off on this level and you got to build you know and and without vince being directly or heavily involved it's going to take time for triple h to get his footing whoever's going to assist him in in booking Got to get, you know, got to get them used to it. There's a lot of moving parts. I agree with you. I think Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar was a pretty good match. Uh, it's one of the matches I would give a B. I don't know. May, maybe I'm going, I'm getting soft in my old age, but I thought the spot with the, the tractor was way too dangerous to be doing in front of a live crowd. I mean, yeah, sure, it was cool. Don't get me wrong. It was cool to see, you know, the tractor took picked it. up the ring and, and yeah. set it on its side. But Man, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And I don't care if you try it out before, you know, like yesterday or, excuse me, Friday or Thursday, you tried it out. And it, there's still, that's there's a lot that can go wrong on that and go haywire. Well, again, there's just a lot of things to say we can nitpick on. But I guess, like you said, I'm going to still give it a chance because we're still in the early part of the quote-unquote post-Vince McMahon era we're going to give Triple H a chance because, again, he's proven to be with his work in NXT to be someone that can actually move the needle in a right direction creatively, even if it didn't move ratings-wise when compared to AEW when they were on the same night. So I think I'm going to go ahead and give them a pass this time around. Again, as far as what we're talking about with the WWE SummerSlam, I do want to mention one last time that Roman Reigns did defend his belt against. Brock Lesnar in a last man standing match. We saw also as well, Bianca Belair beat Becky Lynch. Were you surprised by that result? I thought it was a good match, a solid match. I think just the fact that where do you go from here with Becky Lynch? You suddenly turned her face. I think at the very end when Bailey and Io Shirai and Dakota Kai came out as a surprise, I don't think that really fits. I think it's better if Becky Lynch at this point is a heel I know it's never going to match up to what she was as the man where she was big, huge over baby face. But I think for this right now, since her husband is a chicken heel, that she should be aligned in that same fashion. It doesn't make sense that if one's a heel, one's not. It just, it doesn't seem to be work for that dynamic. I think they, if they worked as a tandem or worked together on screen in some of the same fashion, I think that right now that would be the best thing for her. But, her losing was kind of a bit of a surprise for me. 
I wasn't too surprised. I predicted, as I said on the PVD cast last week, I think that they keep the belt on Bianca for a little bit longer. And then maybe we see at Survivor Series or maybe at the Royal Rumble that Bianca would drop it to Becky Lynch because I feel like we're still being kind of funneled into WrestleMania, Rousey versus Lynch one more time for the title, which again also goes into for the SmackDown side of things. I would not be surprised if Ronda gets another run with it as well, beats Liv somewhere down the road, and then we have that title unification match at WrestleMania. I was not surprised that Bianca won. I was surprised at how good the match was. I think that it was a very physical match. They told a very good story. I even enjoyed the surprise of Bailey and uh, and her crew showing up. Yeah. Even though I, I, I like better, I like Bailey better as the ding dong heel, annoying heel. That just before she blew out her knee, I thought that was really starting to go places. Just it was just me, as far as I think that's that's a heel character that, especially when she had the titles too. I think that was something that really had had her her in her favor. So I'm glad to see at least her back and being able to go ahead and continue her career after a devastating knee injury. I also just wanted to comment real quick too that. Man, oh man, that entrance way. Yeah. <laughs> it was like seven miles long. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> reminds me of WrestleMania 3. Right. And, and, yes, <laughs> absolutely, in Detroit. But uh, I know that Logan Paul defeated The Miz. Logan Paul needs to be healed. The crowd hates him. We hate him. Everybody seems to hate him unless you're watching him on YouTube. I think he just needs to be healed. If you're going to go ahead and pay all the money that you're paying him for his limited appearances, just make him heal and get it over with. It just, it just seems like, you know, you can hear how bad the crowd dislikes him. Just get it over with. Any thoughts on him or also as well, Pat McAfee defeating Happy Corbin, the guy who I think should not even be in, involved in the WWE. Just, I'm, I'm just amazed that this guy still has a job after all these years. First of all, uh, again, another great match from Pat McAfee. And I think that when you're looking at these, quote, outsiders, end quote, that are participating in, in WWE matches, Pat McAfee's the best. He's been the best. I mean, don't get me wrong. Bad Bunny was good. I was going to say that. Don't get me wrong. That Logan Paul did a very good job, too. Mm-hmm. But I still think Pat McAfee is like, he is the A-plus when it comes to that, you know, that outsider, the guy that's not a wrestler, you know, that's yeah. in the ring. And he had a good match with, with Corbin. Logan Paul, man. Those two were friends, won. by the way. They were actually teammates at one time uh, in football. In a Corbin and, and, and McAfee? Yes. Yes. To let you know. Uh, Logan Paul gave us everything we wanted. You know, we got to see the oh my God spot that he pulled out. We got to see him do Miz's maneuvers, you know, the skull crushing finale. And then there's that one thing that he, he did the little kick that was disrespectful. And then Logan did it back to him. Uh, I mean, Logan Paul's a heck of an athlete. You can't take that away from him. I even kind of enjoyed the fact that AJ Styles came out to neutralize Ciampa and kind of do the little like, oh, what's their relationship like, you know, storyline between AJ and Logan Paul. So I liked it. I mean, I agree with you. I think that Logan Paul works better as a heel, but I think for the purposes of his YouTube channel and all those other things he has going on, he kind of needs to stay a babyface. And, you know, for his brand to to borrow one of McAfee's catchphrases, if you will. Absolutely. But overall, I thought it was uh, it was okay. Uh, I mean, again, we're this, these are baby steps. So people are looking for big changes right out of the get go. I think that's too much to expect. I think they're slowly going to go ahead and showcase the influence of a new regime at the top of creative for WWE. I do want to mention also as well, the Usos retained over the street profits in a pretty good match itself, but not quite to the level of their previous matches. Rey Mysterio and his son Dominic did defeat Finn Balor and Damian Priest when Edge returned to go ahead and lay some revenge on Finn Balor and Damian Priest. So, and also as well, Bobby Lashley destroyed Theory, and even though Theory tried to cash in his Money in the Bank, what did not actually get a chance to because he was also destroyed by Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley on the same night. So, really, that's a good way to go if you're going to go ahead and try to push him down the road. I think that that's one of the signs I got is that theory is an individual. I think that you're not going to be able to take seriously as a wrestler going forward because he keeps getting destroyed by anyone that's a little bit larger than him, as we saw with Bobby Lashley and also with Brock Lesnar. 
your thoughts on theory before we head to the nature boy himself. I will say um, that I thought theory played his role very, very well. I, I felt like he could not win. Do you think, the US. Maybe do you, do you see him as another MJF? I'm thinking as on the fly right now. Do you No, see I, I don't now because they're booking him as, as, as a chicken heel now. I mean, that's how they're booking him. He's not, yeah. he doesn't have that bravado anymore. A few months ago, I would totally agree with you on that. But this time, at this junction in time, excuse me, I don't think that he's got that same moxie as MJF. But I think, in my eyes, you didn't put the title on the U. He doesn't need the title. He's got the briefcase. So you don't need to put the U.S. title back with him again. Let Bobby Lashley continue to run with it. But so if I, he I, wins, is it more like when The Miz held the title, that it actually wasn't taken seriously by the fans? Well, that that's a good point as well. That's a very good point. But I, I think Theory has a bright future. They just need to get him booked properly time in and time out. And if I may, before we move on to Ric Flair, which just kind of is a nice segue, in that tag team title match, I was very disappointed that Jeff Jarrett really didn't do anything. Yeah. I mean, he was just another referee. They could have had Chad Patton in there. Instead, he really didn't add anything to it, and I thought he would. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Maybe because he was saving himself for the next night <laughs> in his tag team match, which he and Jay Lethal on Sunday actually faced off in the main event of Ric Flair's last match as Ric Flair and his son-in-law, Andrade El Idolo. They actually teamed up in a tag team match. And of course, with Ric Flair, you know, there's pomp, there's circumstance. And at 73 in his supposed last match, which his last match actually, like you were talking about, actually should have even become well before the WrestleMania supposed last match he did with Shawn Michaels. When WCW was bought out by WWE, I think that was the best point in time for him to go ahead and call it a day, and he chose not to. He continued on, and you see what happened there. But people seem to be loving it. They seem to have to have a great time reminiscing on the career of Ric Flair as he was victorious tonight in his tag team match. Of course, we know he's going to go out with a victory, as only he can, doing the strut with Jeff Jarrett. The only thing I, I say as far as different, maybe... They did a little bit too much pomp and circumstances. But again, when you're dealing with a 73-year-old man, it's all about smoke and mirrors. I couldn't say it better myself. <laughs> I mean... I mean, wrestling it's... itself is smoke and mirrors. No, but it is. It with is. a 73-year-old man is involved who you're worried about having another heart attack who has a pacemaker installed, you got to go ahead and do what you can to provide as many smoke and mirrors for him as possible. And I'm going to be that cynical, jaded wrestling fan. I hate to be that, but I'm going to be that. We're going to be saying this three years from now when Ric Flair is going to return on pay-per-view. You know it. You know it. He's going to he's going to do this in, again sometime here in the near future because he'll need money or something. And he's only got, one of, what, four or five ex-wives? Uh, I think four. Okay. And he's married right now. I what? Yeah, uh, yeah, she's number five, I believe. I think that I, piece... his love life is something that will probably be <laughs> detailed about in books for centuries. But yes, need I digress? Look, I just I have no faith that he'll stay retired. I don't want more to say. Uh, I believe you on that. Obviously, we saw from Terry Funk. I think he's the shining example of someone who had like over six or seven, even ten reported retirement matches who knows i forget how many he's had he's had so many so i agree with you rick flair being retired just like vince mcmahon staying retired i don't think either will happen but we'll wait and see but yes rick flair the nature boy i will say and give him credit again uh, if you have to go ahead and look up 
the words pro wrestler in Wikipedia, his face should appear there because whether or not you think he's the best or the greatest of all time, I think that you should think that he is the quintessential pro wrestler, someone who could give you everything and more inside the ring and also out. He covered all aspects of what you need to do as a professional wrestler to get over to the public, not only producing a high quality work rate in the ring, but also being able to captivate audiences with your diction, with your mouth, with your voice and with your presence each and every time out. That's something I think that maybe for me gives him the edge over someone, let's say like Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels. But so many others that are right there at the top of the top. I think that's for me what does it is the fact that he can do it on both ends of the ring inside and out. I think the term generational talent is definitely one that belongs to Ric Flair. Yeah. He's one in a million. Whether you, you liked him in the ring or you didn't like him in the ring or you're upset by some of the antics outside of the rings. I mean, he is an original. There's only going to be one Ric Flair ever. And, you know, like it or not, that that that's just how it is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely so. indeed. But he was victorious in his supposed final match. I'm not sure he actually will get clearance for another final match. That's the thing. I don't even know how he got clearance for this match. Did he maybe go visit the doctor on The Simpsons, Dr. Nick Riviera? Maybe. I don't know. Because, <laughs> man, you know, somebody going in there with a, with a pacemaker installed, I think that's really just risking so much. And I really think that's, that's really bad, especially having to go out there for 25-plus minutes like he did tonight with his victory. I think that's just... Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm glad he's safe. I'm glad he got out of it. I'm okay. I'm glad he got out of it with the victory. Obviously, everybody was happy. Everybody was was crying. Everybody was was ecstatic. But yeah, that's a risk I think I would want to take as a promoter. But hey, got away with it. Ric Flair, cheating, death, like Captain Kirk, <laughs> cheating the system one more time as only he can do my gosh this man has lived a thousand lives ever since the plane crash back in the 70s he has yes lived a charm life indeed but it is the nature boy rick flair and also as well the wwe SummerSlam, an important weekend for pro wrestling post vince mcmahon but john great to have you here my friend i know you got a recap coming up this week i think on wwe SummerSlam. that's even more detailed than what we're doing here that's absolutely correct. The preview episode was last week where myself and the Pro Wrestling Pundits, DJ Joey Blaze and Ringside Rand, they're two good friends of mine. The three of us sat down. We gave our predictions as to what we thought would happen on SummerSlam. And so this week, we're going to sit down and recap every single match, talk about what we liked about it, what maybe we didn't like about it. We also will talk about the whole like overall presentation, which again, I think sometimes people overlook. You know, there's something about the way you present pro wrestling that sometimes is not understood or comprehended. But mm-hmm. we talk about all of that on the PVD cast. Simply go to pvdcast.com or wherever you find great podcasts to search for the PVD cast. It's the pvdcast.com. Please go ahead and check out all the great episodes, including one or two of mine that are in there as well, mm-hmm. right there today at the pvdcast.com. John, it's been great having you here. Hopefully, you're not going into retirement. <laughs> no, no, okay. I'm not going into retirement. Well, you know what? Actually, you should say you're going into retirement now just so you can feel like you're every other pro wrestling entity that's out there so that you can come back the next time around and say you're coming out of retirement to go ahead and come back right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. I will see. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that might be a possibility there. Okay, so John Orlando is retiring from the Pop Culture Cosmos just now. So we'll see you soon (laughs) when you come back out of retirement, because there is no such thing as retirement in pro wrestling. Not for us here as well, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back to close out the show's Pop Culture Cosmos. Want to thank so much John Orlando from the PVD cast stopping by. Remember, we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook right here at Pop Culture Cosmos. Plus, we cover the world of pop culture each and every day. With some great articles right there for you and all the latest news and info right there for your Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. But before we head on out, my friend, I wanted to go ahead and touch on a couple things. I know we touched on, on the Friday show, the backlash and the anger and the outrage that now MetaQuest 2 is now 
$100 more expensive than it was last week after the announcement by Meta saying it was Meta to go ahead and raise the price of MetaQuest 2 by $100 for their VR equipment which has gotten gamers and users out there in an uproar and they are not pleased at all about the price hike on it which has led a lot of people to speculate could the same thing be happening in the future in the not too distant future for the playstation 5 and xbox series x your thoughts on a possible price hike for the ps5 and xbox series x historically that's never happened before i don't foresee it happening because Usually, if they're going to hike the price, they wrap it up in a new package or something like a we bundle have the, type. The, or a bundle or like we have PS4 Pro or the Xbox one. Well, the Switch, the Switch, for instance, with the new LED screen. Right, right. They usually repackage it to make it seem like you're getting something cool in there that you probably won't realize is there. If you're asking, do I think they're just going to take the base consoles and raise the prices? I don't see them doing that. If you have any thoughts out there on a possible price hike for PlayStation or Xbox or Nintendo for that matter, which could be very concerning, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. My friend, it's been a great episode. One last thing before we head on out. The Battle of Pinocchios. My nose is growing a little bit longer, my friend, but I cannot tell a lie. There are two upcoming Pinocchio movies in the works that are going to be released here by the end of the year. And it's so funny, my friend, because this industry that we watch, especially entertainment industry, oh, Pinocchio, we haven't touched on it in a while. Let's go ahead and do a movie. Then someone else goes, oh, Disney's doing a movie on Pinocchio. We got to do a movie on Pinocchio. It just seems like that always comes out in like twos when it touches on something like the Jungle, Jungle Book. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. The Volcano movies. Remember when they came out in the 90s with Tommy Lee Jones and Pierce Brosnan? They came out with the separate Volcano movies. And yeah, it just, it's always funny how they always come out in twos like that when they come out with an idea or a harkening back to something or, you know, something like that. So when it comes down to it in the next few months, actually coming up, I believe in early September is the Pinocchio. 2022 movie from Disney that's going to be directed by Robert Zemeckis. In fact, it comes out September 8th. That's the movie with Tom Hanks, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Lorraine Bracco. And then you have in December, the trailer just came out last week for the full trailer, because all we've got was a teaser previously, is the Guillermo del Toro version of Pinocchio, which is going to be out there coming up very soon on December the 1st. And that features Ian McGregor for that movie. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. I know Guillermo del Toro is a, is a big-time director for you. He just someone who has fascinated you with projects all about. Your thoughts, no lie, as my nose gets bigger and bigger on what this Pinocchio battle will do. I mean, by the time it gets to December the 1st, will people get kind of tired of Pinocchio because they've already seen the Disney Plus version before it comes out on Netflix? Yeah, I mean, I always wonder if these release dates are coincidence or if it's careful planning. I don't mean to, like, have a cop-out to this question, but Disney has not been hitting the mark with these live-action films. So it's very possible that Pinocchio could come out and just do horribly. Pinocchio especially is hard because, like, that, even the cartoon, like, gives little kids nightmares, you know? Like, it's a difficult property to adapt. Does he go all Pan's Labyrinth on us? I think that that's what Guillermo's version is going to end up doing. He plays into your nightmares. Like, that's what he does, you know? And I think that if people want a more horror film version of Pinocchio, then Guillermo del Toro's is definitely going to be the version for you. What are your thoughts out there on the Battle of Pinocchios coming up later this year in September with the Disney Plus version of Pinocchio and then in December with Guillermo del Toro's version of Pinocchio? No lie indeed. Please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough, as always, for stopping by. But any last thoughts on our way out? Oh, sorry. I, I'm just responding to uh, Rob McCallum. Rob, you got to be on the show sometime, man. We miss you. We miss you, my friend. Absolutely. Hope all is well with you. But again, we truly appreciate you watching and listening out there and always being a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassworth. 
It's another beautiful day right here in paradise in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.